The readings and hymnody of the Advent season call Christians to repentance of sin and renewal of life as we prepare for the coming of our Savior King. Malachi prophesies the ministry of John the Baptist, who heralds the one coming after him and preaches a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That's in Malachi 3, verses 1 through 7. Ultimately, this forgiveness is the work and gift of this greater one coming after John, Jesus Christ, the Lord of hosts in human flesh. The gospel's exhortation to bear fruits in keeping with repentance is anticipated by the closing verses of the epistle, Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11. Welcome to the Sandhills Lutheran Ministry Podcast. I am Pastor John Edding. The title of the sermon on the second Sunday of Advent is Glad Repentance Bearing Its Fruit. This is a sermon on Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. Thanks be to God. Let's get to the sermon. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hark the glad sound we sing during Advent. Hark, a thrilling voice is sounding. Christ is near, we hear it say. Cast away the works of darkness, all you children of the day. Listen, there is something thrilling to hear. But don't just sing about it. Listening, uh, just sing about listening to this glad sound, but... uh, May we also listen to that glad sound, that glad and thrilling voice. And what does it sound like? Well, the glad and thrilling sound in our text this morning sounds something like this. You you brood of vipers, produce fruits worthy of repentance, share your clothing and food. Don't cheat others out of money and be content with what you, you get paid. Uh, you might be thinking, well, well, wait here. Hold on for a moment. <laughs> I thought this was supposed to be a glad and thrilling voice. Um, when you actually listen to John the Baptist, it sounds like, like he's preaching at us. And who likes to be preached at? Right? We don't much care for someone standing up and then telling us we're bad and wrong and telling us we need to do this or that. That's preachy, some might say. And to the sinful heart, yeah, there's nothing worse than being preached at. And who does that person think he is to tell me what to do? You know, this is how our sinful hearts react. However, faith, faith in Christ, which God has granted us in our hearts, when faith hears the preaching from God's word, when faith hears that there's a better life to live than the one I'm living right now, when faith hears that there's a new king coming and with him a new kingdom, to live in. And when faith hears that this king is merciful 
And he does not condemn us for our sins and our weakness, but that he is also the Lamb of God who bears our sin upon the cross. When faith hears that this king comes not only to forgive us, but also to raise us up to newness of life. Now, faith then hears that as a glad sound, as the most thrilling voice. So, yes, my dear fellow sinners and believers in Jesus Christ, confess along with me and that God's ways are better than our ways. Confess with me today that our lives leave much to be desired from God and before God and and rejoice with me today at the glad news that Jesus Christ has come into the world to to grant sinners mercy and forgiveness and to lift us up to living a new and you could even say better life So the good news of a new life may sound preachy. It may sound, you know, a bit irritating um, to the sinful heart, but to faith. The voice that God gives to us today, the voice that urges new life, us to new life in Christ, is a glad sound. So today, let's, let's consider John the Baptist's thrilling call to a new life in Christ by reflecting on three phrases. And you see that in your outline and the bulletin, and you can follow along in the text. Well, you brood of vipers, verse 7 is the first phrase. I was entertaining for a moment just at the very beginning of the service and during announcements, during the welcome of starting with that phrase, you brood of vipers. But I didn't think I could get away with that. I didn't think that would go over too well, right? (laughs) John the Baptist apparently wasn't much of a charmer. Uh, There's a lot of polite ways, acceptable ways of greeting people and welcoming people. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? You know, um, it's nice to see you. Thank you for coming. Ladies and gentlemen, calling people the offspring of of a poisonous reptile is just, um, on the contrary, not so courteous. Um, It's... That's a phrase not found in, in the book uh, Winning and Influencing Friends, right? Um, winning Friends and Influencing People. Definitely not. But in Matthew's Gospel, uh, Matthew emphasizes that John was especially making this accusation against the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But Luke's take on it is a little bit different. If you see and take a look at the text, you notice that Scripture is showing us here that John is also rebuking the entire crowd that is showing up before John. Uh, This crowd of people who came to him with this stinging accusation, and you brood of vipers. So this morning, John the Baptist aims the sharp accusation at each of us as well. You brood of vipers, you children of snakes, and of that ancient snake, the devil. What on earth would possess 
this man to greet his guests in such a manner? And who was he, anyway, to say something like that about uh, them? You know, about us. This wild-looking man in the, in the wilderness. John was the messenger sent by God to prepare the people for the coming Jesus Christ by leading them to repent of their sins and through repentance then find forgiveness for their sins in Jesus. So calling people to repentance is just what John is doing by this accusation, you brood of vipers. There's no path to true repentance uh, that does not run through this recognition. Brood of vipers truly describes me. This isn't just a colorful way to, uh, of speaking. This isn't just a, an exaggeration just for effect, rather in truth, I was in my sinfulness a child of the devil. The sin which still pulses in my heart and veins is, is serious and, um, and, and vile and poisonous and deadly. And because of my sinfulness, I, I deserve no more kindness and mercy from God than God uh, than would be shown to, let's say, a venomous snake that's, that's, that's slithering on the ground. Uh, the true repentance that John the Baptist is calling for here and calling us is a repentance which looks at our own sin as horrifying and repulsive, a repentance which confesses, I am a poor, miserable sinner. And repentance does not look on, on sins uh, with indifference or amusement, uh, and certainly not with pride, as if to glory in one shame. Uh, a repentant heart looks upon our sin with, with dread and willingly agree that we are indeed a brood of vipers. You could say that John's harsh greeting, and it is harsh, Harsh, just to repeat and preach this on this text. <laughs> but you could say that his harsh greeting, you brood of vipers, framed up a narrow gate. This picture, a narrow gate there by the Jordan River. And at that gate, some people, including many Pharisees and teachers of the law, turned away and refused to believe Jesus's message. But many others entered that narrow gate and they owned up to the label brood of vipers. And they came to John in repentance to hear the good news of forgiveness of their sins to be baptized. So that's the first phrase. Second phrase is bear fruits in keeping with repentance. This is in, found in verse eight. John warns that true repentance and forgiveness is the only escape from the severe judgment that is to come. So don't think that a casual repentance that goes, that go, you know, a casual repentance would be one that goes through the motions without genuine sorrow and turning away from your sins. 
uh, will say to you, don't think that just because you are children of Abraham or Missouri Synod Lutherans, uh, you are secure. The judgment is coming. The axe, as the text says, as John says, the axe is laid, is already laid at the foot of the tree. Only through true repentance and forgiveness will sinners escape from the wrath to come in verse 7. So our own Lutheran confessions are pretty clear at this point. They declare that good fruit, which is good works, which are good works of every kind in life, should follow repentance. There can be no true uh, conversion or repentance where resistance of sinning do not, um, or, and good fruits do not follow. Um, in, other, in other words, true repentance does not permit the indulgence of the body in lust. Uh, true faith is not ungrateful to God, nor neither does true faith hate God's commandments. In, in a word, there is no inner repentance and unless it also produces this outward turning away from sinning. This, the, the Lutheran confessions declare that what John the Baptist means when he says, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Yet it is also very important to remember uh, that John's message is described in our text as good news. Not, not bad news. Just a few verses after today's gospel, we read in verse 18, I'm going to emphasize this a bit here, with many other exhortations, John preached good news to the people. Good news. And the good news is that whoever does repent of, of his sins finds forgiveness as a free gift of God. A free gift which does not depend on our own good works or good fruits, but rather depends on the perfect life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that's the second phrase. The third phrase is this eager question from, from the people. Verse 10. What then shall we do? For those who acknowledge their sins and receive the joy and the power of God's forgiveness, John's words were not a threat, but rather a thrilling encouragement and, and promise. Now you will bear fruits worthy of repentance. And among those coming out to John, there were many who repented and who were baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. And their hearts were relieved and, and just filled with overflowing. And they begged John to tell them, now what? Now what? What shall we do now that we are forgiven? And what shall we do now that God has graciously welcomed us in his kingdom? And then John answers them in verse 11. Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. So Luke writes that even tax collectors and soldiers were asking John, what shall we do? So Luke seems amazed at this. Even tax collectors and soldiers 
two occupations particularly known for dishonesty and harassment. Even they were transformed by the thrilling news of the Messiah. They gladly asked the, this prophet of God what they could do to express their gratitude, their thanks, uh, just filling their hearts. What kinds of things could they do to be worthy of such great and free forgiveness? So John's answer to these questions was that the good fruits of repentance and, and faith are changes in our daily lives. Show others the same kind of generous and merciful love that God has shown you. So where this becomes difficult is that we tend to see things as a zero-sum game in which any good for someone else usually came at an expense to me. So we would think, well, if I, just, if I gave two tunics or two coats to just anyone who didn't have one, well, then what about my own family? You see what I'm saying about the zero-sum game? Or what about my close friends? But Jesus or John preaches another sort of life. Here the man with the extra shirt shares it. If a, a person if a person has a sandwich, he or she shares it with someone who is hungry. This is a completely other kingdom than the one in which John lives or the one in which we live. So when Jesus comes, he or he did not come to just tweak our lives, and system around the edges. Uh, he, uh, you know, like, Jesus did not come just to make minor adjustments um, to our faulty way of life. He comes with purging fire and Holy Spirit to make anew. This is good news, especially for John's hearers and, the, and Luke's readers, us. Jesus comes to bring another sort of kingdom to us. It's a kingdom of generosity and of kindness and sharing. And so it's true. All Christians do fall short. And that's why we, we live always in repentance. And that is why our confidence and our trust must always, always be in Christ alone. So this happened then... We listen anew to this glad, thrilling message of John the Baptist. The Savior is near. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and live out your new life in Christ. Produce fruits worthy of repentance. To some, yeah, it does sound a bit preachy. But by faith we bow in repentance. We behold the mercy of Christ, and we gladly reply, what shall we do? The peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.